performance or knockout or moment that you need in order to become a star. All right. So Tank Davis is another one up there with Tiafimo Lopez, of course. Devin Haney and the winner of Luke Campbell against Ryan Garcia. I mean, they are the the, the gruesome foursome, you know. That's known as gruesome twosome, isn't it? I have to come up with another one for them. But, you know, that that is, that's the four ball, you know, the four ball of the lightweight division and they must fight everybody. So I think this is a big moment for Devin Haney. I have to give a shout out to him and his dad, Bill. You know, they've been pushing his profile in lockdown. He's become a star, you know, and, and this is a very important fight for him. Um, you know, for me, I think this leads to the winner of Luke Campbell against Ryan Garcia in early 2021. You know, they're both the zone fighters. Um, it's just a huge, huge fight and a very important fight for Devin Haney on Saturday. Two also important heavyweight fights, of course, Philip Hergovic, who for me, I think is the next big star of the world heavyweight division. I mean, I think, you know, he's on the verge now of taking the big, big acid tests. I expect him to have a solid opponent on uh, Saturday night. And also Zili Zhang. You know, I think anytime there's an undefeated Chinese heavyweight, I mean, that sounds pretty good to me because that can open up a whole new market for us over there. And of course, the young guns as well, Reshat Matty, uh, Raymond Ford, um, Arthur Baisangloff. And, you know, I think it's uh, big, big opportunities for those guys as well. But, you know, good card, but it is about Devin Haney on Saturday. It is about this young buck who people talk about potentially the next Mayweather or whatever they want to say, but he'll want to go out there and dominate uh, Eurokis Gamboa, who has been training hard. And I think Gamboa probably sees this opportunity, you know, as a former unified champ to to make, you know, one last run at the world title. And if Devin Haney's not the real deal, he'll get beat on Saturday night. Because sometimes you get all these fighters that are hyped up and hyped up and hyped up. And when they take the leap, they're not what you thought they were. For me, that isn't the case with Devin Haney. But I think when you're in with a world-class fighter, you get to really find out the true ability. And I think you'll see Devin Haney shine on Saturday. So over to your virtual hands. Hi, Eddie. How's it going? Donna Corby here from uh, from MMA Island. Uh, this is a big fight uh, coming up this weekend, but I do want to look forward a week to Katie Taylor, who fights uh, next week. We I just spoke to Scott Coker recently, and he says that there is a dialogue there between you and Bellator about doing this Chris Cyborg super fight. However, he also said that a deal breaker is this MMA fight, which I thought was a polite way of saying we're not interested. Um, could you tell us exactly what's going on between you and Scott Coker and, and how likely it is that at some stage we see Katie Taylor step into the ring with Chris Cyborg? Well, I think you know women's boxing is something that I'm very, very proud of at the moment, and we've still got a long way to go. You know, I mean, we've got a long way to go with regards to um, equality of um, exposure, equality of purses. But that, you know, I, I had an interview with The Athletic this week and they were saying, you know, some women are saying that they're not, you know, getting the same money for a world title fight as a male world title fight. It has nothing to do with male or female. It comes down to the commercial value of each individual fight. Now, the top end of women's boxing is already there. You know, Katie Taylor is earning more than male world champions. You know, uh, we got a, a world championship triple header of female boxing coming next weekend with Katie Taylor. You know, and for me, I look at those fights, those super fights, and I look at options 
for Katie Taylor. And Chris Cyborg is really one of them. You know, Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. That's another super fight that can land for early next year. But I think with Katie, you know, that the crossover fight always creates a lot of interest. I can't imagine Katie Taylor in a cage, right? You know, she's she's a boxing purist. But if Cyborg wanted to entertain a boxing match, and, you know, there's not been any negotiations, but I've certainly reached out to Scott Croker and said, you know, I think that's a super fight. And at some point, you know, Chris Cyborg is, is going to want, you know, the biggest financial fight available. So we'll see if Katie Taylor can get past Gutierrez next week. But we'd certainly be open to Taylor versus Cyborg in 2021. Jeremy. All right. Hi, Eddie. Thank you for your time. Uh, you were talking about how for Devin, this is uh, the type of fight that he needs to, to kind of gauge where he's at. Will you make a decision on his next opponent based on how he performs in this fight? Meaning, will you match him up depending on, on what you see from him here? You know what, Jeremy? Devin is one of those few young fighters who is completely up for fighting absolutely anyone in the division and has been consistently. I mean, don't forget, you know, when we decided to go down the WBC route, this was purely to take to chase Vasily Lomachenko. You know, I sat down with Devin and his dad and I said, look, you've got all these governing bodies. You're up there in all of them. You tell me, what do you want to do? He said, I want to fight Lomachenko. I said, okay, well, you know, if we get this final eliminator and Lomachenko obviously was fighting Campbell, you will be the mandatory challenger to Lomachenko. That's what we want to do. As soon as he won that fight, we went to the WBC convention and we pitched to the WBC to order that fight immediately. At the same time, top rank pitched to the WBC that Vasily Lomachenko be made franchise champion. So unfortunately, we missed the boat. That's another discussion I'm sure might come up on the Zoom call about you know world champions. So the great thing about working with Devin is him and Bill truly believe they can beat anyone at 135 pounds. They also understand they're not going to be at 135 pounds forever. You know, he's a very big lightweight. He could move to 140 now, but all of a sudden, all the big fights or majority of the big fights sit at 135 pounds. So I think that any victory would lead to him fighting uh, the likes of Ryan Garcia, you know, Tiafimo Lopez, Vasily Lomachenko. But the way in which he deals with um, Gamboa at the weekend is really important to how quickly he moves. But to be honest with you, Jeremy, you know, I don't think that we Anthony, Thank you. I, I don't think that... Um, I can do anything about it because Bill and Devin are a million miles an hour, you know, and Bill obviously knows Devin inside out. He probably is a little bit biased because he's his father, but at the same time, you know, I didn't really believe that when Tiafimo Lopez beat Richard Comey, that he would really fight Vasily Lomachenko. You know, I heard all the noise and I thought, no, no, look, this guy could be a star. You know, surely he's going to have one defense, two defenses, and then go on and fight Vasily Lomachenko. These young guys are made of different stuff. And Devin is cut from exactly the same cloth as Tiafimo and, and Tank. They they really believe they can beat everybody and they have no fear in doing it. So, you know, from my point of view, a devastating performance from Devin on Saturday would give me full confidence to go out and, and risk it all against, you know. I mean, look, when, when we look at the ones that are fully proven, 
is Tank and his Tiafima. You know, they have passed the elite level tests. On Saturday, Devin faces his real test. Ryan Garcia, who, by the way, is, is a great fighter and a great a fine young man, is yet to take anywhere near that test yet. I believe he has fantastic ability, but his test comes on December 5th against Luke Campbell. So it's great to see, you know, both Devin and Ryan having those tests to prove if the hype is real. You know, I have to take my hat off to Tank and to, um, although Tank is yet to have a real 135-pound fight, but, you know, he's a quality fighter. He has had big fights. And, um, you know, Tiafimo has passed the test. So now it's over to Devin and, and Ryan to show us what they can do before they enter the mega fights in 2021. Much appreciated. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, MREC TV, please. MREC, get that mute off, my man. Okay. Eddie, how you doing? Good, thank you. So now, Eddie, you said something very interesting with uh, Teofimo Lopez and... um. Tank, you know, they passed their test. Do you think Devin has the power in the same league as those boxes? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that Tiafimo Lopez is definitely a puncher. You know, how hard he punches, obviously, is a great knockout win over... Uh, Two, three, four! You know, he had enough power to keep Lomachenko off, and Tank you know, knocked out a super bantamweight James and featherweight. Dead. You know, great fighter. Someone mm -hmm. that's crept up to super featherweight. The truth is, is that Leo Santa Cruz is not really a super featherweight. He's definitely not a lightweight. But listen, the fight was made at super featherweight. So Tank's power at lightweight still has to be questioned, you know, until he's mm -hmm. knocking out big, proper lightweights. But he's a fantastic fighter. Devin is a very, very sharp puncher. You know, you saw that against Antonio Moran. You saw that against Abdullayev, who's very, very tough. He, he broke his, his uh, orbital bone, you know. And I think that sometimes, you know, Devin is so young. And when these fighters learn to sit down on their shots more and more, they start to carry more power. And as their confidence and belief grows in the ring, they will carry more and more power. So, yeah, I think that Devin definitely punches hard enough. Um, I expect this fight to be back and forth. You know, I really feel, speaking to Gamboa's team, that, they kind of look at this as we're throwing the kitchen sink at this opportunity. This might be our last one. And they definitely believe that there are question marks. Listen, if I was on Gamboa's team, I would be sort of pushing the question to Gamboa saying, we just don't know about this kid, you know? We know he's got talent. We know he's got ability. But we just don't know when the going gets tough or when he steps up to the levels if he is as good as people say he is. So there is that doubt. And Devin has to prove, and he, he wants to make a real statement. And I think that's the difference between these young guys that I said. Devin, he don't just want to win on Saturday night. He wants to shock all you guys. He wants all you guys to say, wow, this kid's right up there. He wants you to say, I think he can beat Tank. I think he can beat Tiafimo. Or I think he can hang with those guys. And the only way he can do that is to beat Gamboa better and more convincingly than a Tank did or, or put a performance together that you guys go, wow, you know, and that, that's kind of the pressure more than anything. You know, I'm just thinking, 
win, you know, defend your world title. And we've got massive fights in 2021. He's thinking, I want to knock this guy out. I want to look sensational. I want all you guys to think that I am as good as Tank and I am as good as Tiafimo. And those fights are super fights. What we need you guys and the fans being left with from this fight on the zone on Saturday is we must see those. You know, we must see those. Give us give us Haney against Garcia or Campbell. Give us Haney against Tank. You know, because right now it's kind of like after those two performances, it's like, give us Lopez and give us Tank. All right. And yeah, mm-hmm. Haney and Garcia are great as well. Now, on Monday, we want to say, give us Haney Tank, give us Haney Lopez, give us Haney Garcia or Campbell. So He's looking to make a statement, and in answer to your question, yeah, I do believe he, he carries the power, and I think he's a very big 135 pounder. Thank you. Hands next, please. As I said in the chat, guys, you please follow the chat. Thank you. Hands. Uh, hey, Eddie, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, so yeah, um, before Teofimo fought and beat Lomachenko, obviously, um, you thought you thought really highly of Lomachenko. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had him number one on your pound for pound list. Mm. Um, since the loss, he's obviously dropped a few spots, but um, let's forget about the loss for one second and um, let's just say that um, you know, Haney was able to get his wish and face off against um, Lomachenko before he fought Lopez. Do you think um, yeah. do you think Haney could have got that win or? Would you have favored Lomachenko to win? How would you have seen that playing out? If Haney boxed Lomachenko? Yeah, before before he fought Lopez. Look, I, I rate Lomachenko so highly. I mean, I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great fighter. I didn't think... I gave a great prediction for that Haney... Uh, sorry, Lomachenko-Lopez fight where I said, I think Lomachenko would win every round. You know, oh, how wrong was I? I woke up on Sunday morning and checked my phone... <laughs> I couldn't believe what I saw. Look, one thing's for sure. Um, you know, speaking to Igis Klimas, he said he wishes they would have pulled out the fight with a shoulder injury. But, you know, they were worried they might not get an opportunity. But it doesn't matter. What Lopez done was he came in with the belief and he walked the walk. You know, and he could have he could have made himself look very silly if he would have lost every round. But he was he was too good on the night and he deserves a massive amount of credit. Bill Haney and Devin Haney saw or believed that they were the ones that could beat Vasily Lomachenko. So it's easy for me now to say, yeah, Devin would have done exactly what what Tiafimo did. But on that night, I believe for sure Devin Haney would have beaten Vasily Lomachenko. Now, if that fight appears for us, you know, obviously we know that... And by the way, when Top Rank made sure that Devin Haney mandatory to Vasily Lomachenko it's not Vasily Lomachenko's fault he would fight anyone so I have to think that that fight is another potential fight for Devin Haney if Devin and Bill were up for that you know if we can't get Tank get uh, Tiafimo Lopez then the Vasily Lomachenko fight is is still a, a very big fight for Devin Haney but like I said I believe that um you know, the, the next fight for Devin Haney after this is the winner of Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell. But in answer to your question, I believe Devin Haney on that night would have beaten uh, Vasily Lomachenko as well. Gotcha. Um, so I want to follow that up with um, talking about Gamboa. Um, you mentioned a few times that 
you know, the the way that Haney is going to, you know, pretty much get his star power up, get his name up, um, you know, is he have to go in there and, and do a real number on Gamboa. Um, so my question to you is, um, does it really matter? Um, <laughs> I ask you that because, you know, Gamboa was terrific. Like, I've always told people, he used to be Lomachenko before Lomachenko. Just my opinion. He was really, really terrific in his prime. Um, but right now, he's about to be 39 at the end of December. Um, he's already had – I mean, all of his losses came via knockout. Um, so it's like a lot of people expect Haney to win, and they expect him to win extremely comfortably, either winning every round or winning by stoppage. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, does it really do anything for him? Or would you rather, after he gets past Gamboa – I know you want Ryan Garcia versus – um, Luke Campbell winner, but would you be interested in just putting him in there with a guy like Jorge Linares? I think a win over Linares would be pretty yeah, big for him. That's a good fight. We asked Golden Boy for that fight, and they already had a fight scheduled for Fortuna, which actually fell away. I disagree a little bit with what you're saying. I think, you know, we know the talk about how good Haney is, but when you compare Gamboa to Abdullayev, which was his best victory so far, they are they are gulfs apart. You know, I think people are tending to forget the fact that, you know, he did well against uh, Javonta Davis. He ruptured his Achilles in, what, the second round? And he battled away in that fight. And he, he got stopped, you know, with, with what, in the, in the final round. So I do expect, and I think the pressure is on Devin Haney because everybody just expects Devin Haney to blow through these guys. That's fine as long as Devin Haney is the superstar that, that we all perceive him to be. But this is by far the biggest test of his career. And I think when you're fighting a guy as good as Gambo with as much experience, it sort of says, this is my final chance to win a world title. Then I think you're going to get a, a guy who's coming to win. And I think you're going to get a guy who's much, much better than anything Devin Haney has ever fought. So like I said, if I was in the Gamboa team, this is the kind of thing that I'd be drumming in. We don't know. Might be all hype with this kid. You know, I don't think so. I think he's the best lightweight in the world, potentially. So... Let's see him pass the next test. But in answer to your question, I don't mind the Linares fight next, actually. I think that's a good fight. But I do think that the way, you know, the way fight fans are, we don't, they don't want to wait, do they? And by the way, Devin Haney doesn't want to wait. So when fight fans don't want to wait, Haney doesn't want to wait, Bill doesn't want to wait, the team don't want to wait, let's see it. Let's see if this guy is the real deal. And you imagine you get to, you know, 2021 and you're talking about fights between... Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney tank against Lopez or tank against Haney. These are the super fights. And it's not a case of, you know, when we go back to the 147-pound division where it was like, you know, Mayweather, Pacquiao, you know, guys that are approaching the end of, of their careers. You know, even now, Keith Furman, Danny Garcia, Pacquiao, you know, who knows how long, you know, even a fighter like Spence has got left. You know, Crawford is, is still got time, but he's, you know, they're all guys, these guys are just starting. You know, these guys have got three, four, five years moving from 135 to 140, mixing it up, fighting all these guys, Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor. You know, there's so many great fights for these guys, and I'm very excited. But I, I think he's under a lot of pressure. Because if he beats Gamboa unconvincingly, you know, the hype bubble bursts a little bit. So he will be doing everything he can to make a major statement on Saturday. Danny Flexen, please. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? Hey, Danny. Good to see you, mate. 
Um, just a quick one, and sorry to take you off topic, but just think, I feel like I'm representing the UK a little bit here, and we all want to know what's happening with the Dillian White situation. We saw a couple of people throw their hat in the ring yesterday, um, Derek Chisora being one, uh, Michael Hunter another. Just what's the latest on that um, November 21st show? So, just taking a nice picture of you guys, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, the situation is, is that the fight that he wants more than anything is Alexandra Povetkin, Alexander Povetkin, even. You know, I think that obviously he has to rectify that defeat or try to rectify that defeat. There is one fight, I believe, that he would take, and that's Tyson Fury on December 5th. I mean, we, you know, I'm not sure we expect that to happen, but at the end of the day, unquestionably, Dillian White would fight Tyson Fury on December the 5th if they wanted to discuss that fight. Chisora came on, you know, it was a little bit of, you know, it's two and a half weeks now. Realistically, uh, we will postpone that fight with Alexander Povetkin to January the 30th. And you know, I think any fighter who has trained for eight weeks and then loses his fight says, I just want to fight. I just want to fight. And yesterday, that was very much the opinion, you know. But Dillian White has got a pay-per-view slot. And yeah, Derek Chisora possibly, you know, that, that fight can work. Michael Hunter even threw his name into the, the hat for free, apparently, you know, but that's not <laughs> that's not a pay-per-view fight for November 21st, especially with the clutter coming up. So I said to Dillian, unless we get asked to fight Tyson Fury, which he would do in a heartbeat, you just got to wait till January 30th. I mean, that's the fight for you and that's what we'll do. And we'll announce that in the next 24 hours and we'll also um, keep the Saturday night fight night with Ben against Sebastian Formella headlining that card with with the other undercard underneath that so you know we then go on a run of saturday night fight nights in the uk with katie taylor connor ben and of course uh, billy joe saunders against martin murray great stuff eddie thank you it's all right now marcos guys please follow the chat marcos is next yes yes uh, I, I unmuted. Hey, uh, Eddie, how's it going? Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Hey, man, it's been a, a real long time since I've had a, cha- a chance to chat with you, so nice. see you. Um, two questions for you, Eddie. Um, the first being, um, since we saw a show uh, last Saturday with a size amount of fans, uh, what is uh, Matchroom's plan in the U.S. to get fans in, in the uh, arenas? Are we relatively close? Or are you guys still being cautious with that? I'm definitely being cautious. I mean, the guys have done such a great job. You know, we went to Mexico, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, and, and obviously it's it's uh, the situation is a lot worse there. We're keeping these fights as safe as possible for the fighters and their teams and our staff as well. Very important. Shout out to uh, Eric Botcher, our matchmaker, unfortunately went down with, with COVID and you know, all the other guys were tested and they were all, all good and Every event now, Marcos, is like a sort of cross your fingers scenario. You know, I just read that um, Bachelt tested positive there, you know, and, you know, our guys got tested yesterday negative and it's like, oh, you know, obviously Alexander Povetkin got it yesterday. So the key for us now is to make sure we can maintain the momentum of the sport, keep the fights coming for our broadcast partners and keep our fighters active. Um the second phase of that is to bring fans back into the arenas. Okay, so 
Um, we saw obviously on Saturday Santa Cruz and and uh, Tank. I think it was like seven eight thousand there or something. I think in a way, it's great for the sport. We just have to be a little bit careful and responsible. You know how safe was that for the fans there? Now obviously the difference between our small country here and your great country is you have individual states that that you know are making decisions on what's uh, what's allowed and what's not allowed. You know, and for us. We have one decision, and that is no fans. So in America right now, my plan is obviously with Devin Haney this weekend, um, with, with Danny Jacobs coming out on November the 27th, and then probably with Gennady Golovkin, you know, towards the end of December, all of those events will take place behind closed doors. The model is in place. We can make sure that we can, um, you know, keep the dates coming. Like I said, keep providing for our broadcasters. Then when we go into 2021, that's when we have to start seeing, you know, one of the early fights for us looks like Chocolatito against Juan Estrada. That would be almost criminal if we didn't have, you know, at the, the old StubHub Center or in Phoenix or, you know, a massive crowd for a fight like that. So we live and breathe with live crowds and it's very important for us to bring them back, but safely but that's kind of like the next project. Right now, the project is to keep going, to keep rolling with these shows, keep delivering for our fighters and our broadcasters. Um, my last question for you, Eddie, is um, is the winner of this fight mandated in any way to fight the winner of Ryan and Luke? Like how, how what is well, the yeah, fight? I mean, it's the other way around, really. You know, I think that obviously Devin is a WBC world champion. That is a final eliminator. Uh, Campbell against Garcia and that's the natural fight I mean not just because these guys are on the same platform but you know that is the route that it should take you know I would like the WBC to mandate Devin Haney to fight uh, Tiafimo Lopez that's really what they should be doing but you know the the the, manda- the, the franchise is, is untouchable which is something I don't agree with but certainly the winner of Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell should be mandated to fight Devin Haney all right, thank you, Eddie. Appreciate it. All right, good to see you. Uh, Crystal, next, please. Yes, hi, Eddie. Uh, am I unmuted? Uh, yeah, you're good. Good, okay. Hi, Eddie. What I wanted to ask is basically uh, if, if this is a, a great performance and this is a, a great fighter against uh, Gamboa, I've followed him for years and years, how easy or, or difficult will it be to work with top rank and, and also the PBC? Do you think that those type of fights can't get together or uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that the good news, the good news to come from the pandemic is that definitely promotional companies are you know keen to do good business you know so i think that right now if i'm bob aram kind of like looking at tfimo lopez going oh god this guy's gonna get super expensive he's gonna want the world you know but the good news about tfimo is i think he genuinely wants the big fights you know i think he wants to fight Devin and Tank and, you know, Ryan Garcia, because I think a lot of these guys are not going to stay at 135, particularly Devin and Tiafimo. You know, they're guys that are right on the cusp right now, looking to go to 140 already. So I think that, you know, you're going to get guys. And and I think that, you know, I think a lot of promotional companies who may not have been running, you know, slick businesses, who may not have built the cash reserves over the years, will be in positions where they're under more pressure financially to make bigger fights than just give their fighters easy fights. And listen, 
you know, from a broadcaster perspective, I think the demands of a broadcaster will change as well. I don't think zone will want, you know, to see Devin Haney against an unknown top 15 opponent next. I think they'll want to say, Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell winner, fight Devin Haney. You know, and so they should, because they're the kind of fights that are going to drive subscribers and create interest in the sport. So, you know, for me, I really feel that it's never going to be easy to do cross-promotional fights, but I think that people won't want to be wasting money anymore, which is good news for fight fans. And I think the pressure will also come from that. I know that Devin Haney and Bill will be putting pressure on me after Saturday if they win in style to make them a mega fight next. And then it's on me, you know, and that's what I have to deliver for them. Thank you. Ames, next question, please. Ames here for Boxing News TV. Uh, how are you doing, Eddie? You okay? Good, thanks, mate. Eddie, just a quick um, follow-up on Danny Flexen and then a question on Usyk Jazora. I just want to follow up on Danny Flexen. That's yeah, one question, guys. You... Come on. No worries. I remember you suggesting Michael Hunter as an opponent for Tyson Fury. Could you answer why you think Michael Hunter is an acceptable opponent for Tyson Fury, but not then for Dillian White? Because Tyson Fury is, is the world heavyweight champion. He is a bigger name than Dillian White. And what I said was, it's not that he's not an acceptable opponent, but unfortunately, Dillian White against Michael Hunter would not be approved as a pay-per-view fight on Sky Sports. So, uh, you know, I don't work with Tyson Fury's broadcaster, but Tyson Fury, one of the biggest stars in the sport, against Michael Hunter for the World Heavyweight Championship would be a pay-per-view fight. Um, and when you're talking about the likes of Tyson Fury against Ajit Kabail or... Carlos Takam, the Michael Hunter fight is a much, much bigger and better fight than those two fights that are already approved for pay-per-view. Can I follow up with the question? Is that okay? Oh, well, quick one, yeah. Sure. Uh, just taking your mind to Usyk versus Chisora, would you concede that in these COVID times when we have a reduced atmosphere, uh, there are those at ringside on fight night who are partisan to a particular fighter, and I'm talking about outside of the corner men, uh, and they're audible on the presentation of the fight, they can affect the presentation and sway the opinion of others at ringside and the viewers at home watching. Would it be better in terms of the viewing and neutrality to, have, to not have that partisanship at ringside? No, because everybody has the same numbers there. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, Tony Bellew was there working on behalf of the broadcaster. David Hay is Usyk, is uh, Chisora's manager, right? And they, and they were the two guys making virtually all the, no the noise for Derek Chisora. Next to me was Alexander Krasuk, uh, he's cut my co-promoter, and Igis Klimas, and another one of their guests. They just chose not to make the noise. I do think you have a point, um, and, you know, sitting there during the fight sitting next to David Hay listening you know I thought the fight finished and I was like this is close and then I went over to Sky and BBC and they were like no Usyk's one eight four eight seven five. it's comprehensive and I'm like you know so in that respect yeah I actually think that judges should wear headphones you know you see that a lot actually I, I believe the WBC have um, some opinions on that as well but actually you know if that fight was at the O2 in front of 18,000 Brits, you know, you may have got a lot tighter scoring in that contest. And that's more of a concern than one or two blokes just screaming and shouting from the back of, of the room. I actually quite like it, to be honest with you, because we have no atmosphere at the moment. And if you were in the arena, you know, it was actually quite compelling. It's better when you get two sets of representatives screaming and shouting. But U6 team were a little bit calmer. They obviously felt they were a lot more comfortable in the fight and chose not to. But, um, 
you know, I don't mind the screaming and shouting, but I do think that it does raise the question of whether judges should wear headphones. I think the scoring was quite comprehensive. And if the scoring would have been controversial, I think your question would have a lot more validity. Thanks, Eddie. Okay, guys, Devin is here now.